Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. <laughs> Jackson, here's the deal. And I want you to look me in the eyes. I want this one today. That's that makes good. you, I saw a little look of pride. And you're like, I like to hear that. That's what that look told me. Yeah. Yeah. I like to hear that. So I want to go somewhere I've never gone before. Above five feet, 10 inches? <laughs> yes. So today is a wide berth Wednesday on Munganas Burkard Alton Toyota's balloon party. That's right. On YouTube? Mm-hmm. On 101 ESPN? Yeah. Okay. The listeners control today's show. Not yeah. me, not you. Not even Hubbard Radio. The listeners. So you tell me what you want to talk about. I can talk about the Blues outscoring the Avalanche and the Lightning 13-2 and Colton Pareko being the second coming all of a sudden and Jordan Bennington being the second coming. Tory Krug, what in the world's going on? I don't know, but alas, here he comes. Chua, chua. Jordan Cairo. Watch this. How do you do? I can talk about picking up even more points going out to uh, the California teams and whatever's going on with the team that plays at Mullet Arena hmm. in Arizona. Saying, oh, I guess might as well pick up eight more points before you come back, boys. So you head out to San Jose. I can talk about Missouri being the number nine team in the country with Louisville going, hey, we got one loss. What the hell's going on here? I can talk about it. I can talk about uh, Jason Stark's story on The Athletic this morning saying that Aaron Nola might be getting seven years, $210 million. Seven years, $210 million. The man will be 38, making $30 million a year. I can talk about any of it, and I can talk about all of it. But it's your show. It's not my show. My time's up. Your time is now. I'm tired. I hear and they're the best hockey team in the world. Their time is up. Their time is over. Today is your day, Jackson. Today is the listener's day. Sure feels like it. Does it? I don't see why not. I'll go into this YouTube chat. I'm going to go into the Air Comfort Service text line and see what's going on. Boy, they're in there and they are active. Uh, Robert Renner is uh, really active. So I'll Venmo $35 on the spot. Uh, to the text or YouTube commenter who starts today's fire on Balloon Party. And you know what it is? Watch this. It's an Anything Goes Wednesday. I know it's a Wide Birth Wednesday presented by Angry Beaver, but it's also an Anything Goes. So send it in, and the listeners who have won this $35 will vouch for me. I pay it, and I pay immediately. I always pay my debts Immediately. Jackson, I'll look at that in the first commercial break. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Angry Beaver Wild Wednesday, Wide Birth, half and half. Yeah, it's a half and half on a Wide Birth Wednesday, which you always love to see uh, with the Blues with a 5 nothing victory. I mean, how do you do? Over the Lightning. I mean, this this team is hot, and I don't care who knows it. This team is hot. 5 of 6? 
What do you know? I mean, what do you know? What's going on? At what point in the season do you think we will truly know what this team is, even amidst this hot streak? Do you think the Blues are truly a good team? And What's a good? Can I ask you this? Can you define good? I know that sounds like, um, you know, Ken Starr, William Jefferson, Clinton, right. circa 98. But I need to know what your definition of good is, and then I will, I will react to said definition. I would say a team that can make the playoffs, and once they get in the playoffs, could actually have somewhat of a run, some okay. semblance of a run. Okay. Not just get in, but okay. have some semblance of a run. Also, does this stretch cement that Craig Berube is more than safe from losing his job in the near future? Well, I, I, on the latter question, I never thought that was in play. I don't really know if a lot of people even did, and I'm talking about perhaps the bantiest of roosters. I don't. I didn't. I haven't seen a lot, and maybe it, it happens on other shows on 101 ESPN. I don't know, but uh, I haven't seen a lot of that. I think, if anything, most fans kind of went into this going, "Eh, probably not going to be much going on this year." We accept it. We know there's a direction. Let's see if Cairo and Thomas can develop, and maybe some of the young players can get some ice time, and maybe they can unload one of these big defenseman contracts. I just don't think, I, I know I didn't think, number one, Craig Berube's job was in jeopardy, but on the other side of it, I did not expect this. And it's one thing if we were to go, wow, look at 8-2 to two over Colorado. Maybe this team, because you can have one-off games like that. But this is now 5 of 6. This is a team scoring four and a half goals after the start of the season, in which it looked like they were going to have real offensive issues. Uh, the power play still can be an issue. Last night, no power plays, but it didn't matter. The Blues were able to do what they were able to do with the help of Jordan Bennington, Tori Krug, Jordan Cairo, and Colton Pareko. Um, and what Colton Pareko has done this year. I think the biggest credit has to be, as far as if you're going to give credit and then attempt to explain why I do think they are a good team, if that is our definition, I do. Um, if a good team, by your definition, means winning the Stanley Cup, of course, in the NHL, perhaps more so than any of the leagues, maybe baseball now is in the mix with their playoff system, but that can happen. But a good team being a playoff team, if that's the definition, then yes, the 2023-2024 St. Louis Blues absolutely can be, and at this point, I think have been a good team. Uh, is Number one, they have implemented a new system to take away those optimal scoring chances that were giving away left and right last year. I mean, just goals that were just easy on the doorstep. And that started from the beginning of the year, and it never really stopped. So credit to the coaching staff for being able to pull that off. Yeah. Um, you bring in um, what's going on with the, the staff. I mean, hey, you got to give credit uh, what Weber has played a role in, along with Craig Ruby. And I know Steve Otcott has caught some hell for the power play. Uh, but, you know, after really bottoming out this past Thursday against the Coyotes, you saw what happened with the special teams on Saturday against Colorado. So with that, I think the team maybe was adjusting to the new system in the early part of the regular season. And now the forwards are able to get the puck out of their own zone and go on the attack and move that puck up ice. And last night you saw Pareko do it. So with regard to that, you have a system that is a that is a definitive change. And then I also think as far as in the room goes, maybe there was some element of, I don't know if I would call it problems so much as just maybe not be everybody being on the same page with, hey, you just paid a bunch of money to Cairo and Thomas and I'm up after this year, where's my money? Or we're up after this year, where's our money? I don't know. 
But I do think you have something uh, along the lines of a team closer to optimizing as opposed to what you had at this time last year where you're going, my God, this was the same team that a handful of months ago put the eventual Stanley Cup champions to their biggest test in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they just look like a shell of themselves. So credit has to be distributed in addition to uh, going into the whys, and I think the whys would be the system and also uh, a better room climate. And uh, we just literally talked about that in the last hour on TMA with Jeremy Rutherford. So there you go, Jackson. That's where I am. Uh, Where are you, sir? I like that answer. I thought that was a solid answer. I do think this is a good team. I think, you know, you don't beat someone like the Avalanche scoring eight goals if you're just some crummy team. You know, you don't just get hot like that all of a sudden. I think they've proven over this last stretch that they can very much compete uh, in the Western Conference. And so I say, why not go for it? If you can do this in a year where you're kind of rebuilding, well, that's just all the better. Uh, it is. Uh, it would be wonderful to get something out of a year where you didn't expect anything. Yep. And uh, it also would speak to the fact that you do have a foundation for when, if indeed you are back in the mix for a Stanley Cup. Yeah. But now it's fun to watch. So that's the thing, tying it into the Cardinal situation. I don't think people would go, oh, you traded away Goldschmidt and Arenado. We're not showing up. Part of the fun of being a baseball fan is watching young players develop. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that is worth keeping an eye on. And so in the Blues case, you're now getting uh, to see that, Kairou in particular, last night. But uh, the thing that's really interesting are two of the guys who got most of the criticism, and I have been one of the critics, are playing really good hockey here, especially in the last couple games. Uh, but overall this season, Colton Pareko and then Tori Krug, who was an absolute mess on the power play this past Thursday. So it's uh, it's something to see. And Jordan Bennington certainly leading the way last night uh, as the Blues get the 5 nothing win. It is at 10-14. I'm going to attempt to stay on target time-wise. I'm going to go into this text inbox. I'm going to go into this YouTube chat, and maybe somebody is about to get $35 Venmo to them because they are going to start a synapse fire with a question or a comment that then just owns the remaining three segments of the Munganas Burkard, Alton Toyota, Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Up-to-date info and breaking sports news first, all on the 101 ESPN app in your App Store or Google Play. Munganas Burkhardt Alton Toyota is the presenting sponsor of Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and YouTube, and it also is the place where I go to get my family's cars, and I would love for it to become the place you go to get your cars. And once you do, and once you get to know the people there, I have a feeling it will be the place you go uh, going forward because you are going to experience a different kind of car buying, leasing, slash service department experience. It's just at another level with the character, the quality of the people. And it's something that uh, a number of people in our audience, both on TMA and on Balloon Party and on the Tim McKernan Show podcast have experienced. And once they do, I don't know how many emails at this point, it's got to be a hundred plus or DMs. Oh man, you guys weren't joking. They really are different. It's a different experience. And uh, once you do, you know that you're going to stlouisacura.com or altontoyota.com and you're working with Munganess. It's Munganess Burkhardt, Alton Toyota. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. YouTube, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Man, we got a lot of... We got a lot of suggestions here, Jackson. Sure did. What stood out to you? I see a sapphic play becoming more and more mainstream these days. What say you? Thanks. It's from Smitty. It's the 314. Might like be more that. of a QFTA topic. Good topic. How bad is Jackson's back injury from hopping on the Blues bandwagon? That's in the 636. What? Just read what's in the prompter, bruh. Why would my back hurt from hopping on the bandwagon? I mean, I don't really have much hockey allegiance elsewhere. Blues are kind of my only option. So I guess I'm always on the bandwagon. Just you, my... you love the whale. The whale. The whalers? They played in... Somewhere in Connecticut. Connecticut. Connecticut Whalers. Hartford. Hartford! And Petrangelo plays there. Did he get traded from Edmonton? <laughs> I missed the, the ticker. Well done. Jackson, uh, question number two. I'm going to find I'm gonna find some. There are some good ones in there. A lot of you want me to go off sports topics, yeah. which is interesting. We're now coming full circle here. Uh, Jackson, question, what do you have, two or three? What are we on? Two, two. or three? Is my, 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 nurse, my nurse is keeping track. Question one was filled with questions. You know, it's like questions within Yeah, I know. It was like a Roman numeral one, subset A, B, C. Yeah. Roman numeral two now here. Little Piddle's angry yeah. beaver, half and half. It's like an anthology. Uh, Missouri is the number nine ranked team in the nation after the CFP rankings came out last night. Firstly, as cool as it is that Missouri is in the top 10, does it sting just a little bit knowing that a win against Georgia or this being 2024 instead of 23 would mean a playoff berth would be in their sights? Or is it just the little pessimist in me? And even with the playoffless successful season, does a 10-2 and two season, knocking on wood, that they beat Florida and Arkansas, and a New Year's Six Bowl do a lot in terms of attracting transfers for next season. Oh, boy, you're having a big show. Feeling like it. You're having a big, big show. Thank you. So I actually, because the colonel tweeted out that he was going to go on YouTube, which is the bat signal for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, for you, right, around, right around 8 o'clock, I'm shutting her down. Yeah. I'm cutting up pills, rolling up dollar bills. And getting ready to go places at around eight. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's Suburban where I am lifestyle, now. baby. That's 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 where that's where I'm going. Full transparency. And uh, and I see the colonel about to go on YouTube, and I'm like, well, hey, I got I got to lock in. Right. And I wasn't aware because I was like, where are the CFP rankings? Maybe they're doing it on Wednesday for some reason. And then they were doing it in between Duke, Michigan State, right, with a barn burner in Kansas, Kentucky, a college basketball. And so I tuned in. And I, I was expecting to be like 11. Yeah. And so then when 11 popped up, and I believe it was Penn State, I think. Ooh, I think it was, was it Oregon State? 11? Was it Oregon State? Okay. And then I'm like, oh, Missouri's number 10. Yep. That's what I thought as well. And I go, oh, that's good. And then they pop up Louisville. And I'm like, well, they can't be any higher than nine no because way. Roll Todd's going to be eight, yeah. I think. Yep. And then there's Missouri at nine. And even though it doesn't mean all that much, because what are we about on this show? Championships. Okay. We're about championships. I love championships. I thought to myself, son of a bitch, number nine. Yeah. And you know what? And then they go to Kirk Herbstreet. Do we have that audio? Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot. All no, right, here, I here it is. Actually take take it a right listen. Here. What a wonderful pretty. You are having a five star show. Thank you. Look at number nine. Number nine and up five spots, the Missouri Tigers. Kirk, what Good do you think for them. about that? Good. 
I love it. I absolutely love it. That is a great football team. Gave Georgia all they could handle. We actually had the football down 27-21 until the big fella, Stackhouse, had the interception. So uh, this is a deserving ranking. You can say, what about the two losses? I don't care. Watch them play. They're they're very, very uh, sound on both sides of the football. The way Brady Cook has emerged. They got great back. Great receivers, great defense. That's a great job by the committee putting them up in the top ten. And you know, it also might be an indication of whether Georgia can move to the top spot, the respect they've given Missouri by moving them up after that win against Tennessee. Well, Reese Davis turned out to be a soothsayer of some mm-hmm. kind because that's exactly what wound up happening. Georgia, and I do think deservedly so, is now number one. And I was of the opinion that Ohio State three weeks ago, if you're going to base it on what a team has done this year, because it's a different team than the teams that won national championships, then Ohio State should have been. But now the Penn State win, I don't think, looks as good. The Notre Dame win for Ohio State doesn't look as good. Right. And Georgia has beaten uh, Missouri and Ole Miss in back-to-back weeks. And also, I mean, if you want to count it, because uh, it does count, but I don't know how impressive it is, uh, Florida and Kentucky. So, yes, I do think at this point Georgia should be number one, mainly because of the way they dominated a top-10 Ole Miss team. So, with that all said, it will be sorted out over the next few weeks, especially when Georgia goes up against Alabama, Michigan, and Ohio State play each other, and then Washington. I think they're going to be put to the test this Saturday night in Corvallis. I think they're going to be put to the test. And, of course, Oregon will have their chance at Washington in the Pac-12 championship. So what do I think? I expected, we both did, we were high on the over of six and a half. But let me make this clear. Just because I thought Missouri was going to win six and a half games, that didn't mean I'm like, they're going to win 10 games and be in the mix for the SEC East. That was never where I was. It was based on a very favorable schedule to start the season that barring an absolute catastrophe, they were going to be four and one exiting September. And at that point, you got to win three games the rest of the way. And I liked the chances. So what they have done, what Brady Cook did to start the season in particular, uh, what the defense has done ever since the first quarter against Kentucky, how the offensive line has been performing, Cody Schrader. uh, And keep in mind, this has really been without Luther Burden healthy ever since I think the first or second quarter against Georgia, this is this supersedes my expectations. So therefore, I can't really be in this mindset of, man, I'm disappointed right. they're not there because it just this is all in a way gravy. I didn't I just didn't expect it. It's it, the thing that does suck is that if there was a 12 team playoff this year, Missouri would be heading to Tuscaloosa to take on Nick Saban and Alabama. And I know immediately, like Illinois fan or casual college football fan or just anti-me guy, will go, well, I mean, they'd have no chance against Alabama. They had had every right to beat Georgia in Athens, and that is not seeing things through black and gold lenses. If anything, playing Missouri fans, he's not a hardcore Missouri fan. I tell you what I think, and sometimes it lines up with your views, sometimes it doesn't. I don't really care. My responsibility is to be honest with you. Yeah, and you heard Herb Street, what you're saying, that they were right there with them. And I think now that you've seen Cody Schrader do what he did against Tennessee, I bet they were like, yeah, we probably should have just kept handing it to Cody Schrader because it's not like he was having trouble running the ball against Georgia right. at Georgia. So if you can win at Georgia, compete at Georgia, you can compete anywhere. 
And so from that standpoint, yes, it sucks that this is the final year without the 12-team playoff, which I think is a great thing. But um, that's the deal. And you had chances. And if anything, I think you shot yourself in the foot against LSU, because I do think Missouri is a better team than LSU. I think LSU has the best player in college football, but I think Missouri is a better team. And Missouri certainly could have beaten Georgia. Now, I'm not saying that happens more than 50% of the time, but that was kind of my thing going into the game, a loser mentality of, oh, I hope we keep it close. Are you a fan of a team so they keep it close? Or do you want to win championships? So... Missouri showed that they're capable, and you know when the bull thing rolls around, I hope they're getting Ohio State or Washington or Oregon or Michigan or maybe Florida State. I don't know. Uh, currently, the projection, well, it depends on where you're looking, is, is against Penn State in the Peach Bowl. But, I mean, it depends on where you're looking. They, they, they move around. The athletic has them against SMU. Either way, beat Florida, beat Arkansas, and you have a top 10 finish and a New Year's Six Bowl. And that is super encouraging. And yes, answering your final question, it sets the stage for something that is a little different than it was five years ago, and that is the transfer portal. If you're carrying momentum, and if a defensive player goes, well, they're losing a lot of defensive players, but the core at wide receiver and at quarterback is back, this team's going to have some opportunities to play on national television, and I'm going to get an opportunity to, to showcase for what could be a championship-caliber team. Yeah, I think i got to look at Missouri. That's a different situation than a recruit going, oh, Missouri has it going, because by the time that recruit's playing is maybe sophomore, but more likely junior year, the whole world could have changed. Yeah. You transfer, you can be a part of a team that is in a position to carry some momentum over because the core on the offensive side of the ball, not Cody Schrader, unfortunately, but the core will be back. Yeah, and here's the thing about the Schrader thing, and he's obviously been dynamite. I mean, for what he's done, and obviously his story is incredible. But if you're a transfer running back, you got to look, because Schrader's always been great, but the first year of Drake was Larry Roundtree, who had an outstanding year, almost rushed for 1,000 yards in the COVID year, which was shortened, so you got to keep that in mind. Then the next year was Tyler Beatty, who rushed for like 1,600 yards, yeah. and neither of those guys have gone on to great NFL careers. It might be that Drake has a really, really good run scheme. For all the things we give him a little bit of guff for on his offensive guru that he really came in here, he might just have a really good run scheme. And if you see a guy like Cody Schrader, who was at Truman State two years ago, run like this against Georgia and Tennessee, and you're a transfer running back, that's a great opportunity. I would agree with that. Uh, so it's something to keep an eye on. So with that said, it's just uh, that was that was a real pleasant surprise last night. Mm-hmm. And as far as the New Year's Six, it was important that they were ahead of Penn State, Ole Miss. Um, Oregon State will figure itself out. If Oregon State beats uh, Washington and Oregon, Oregon State belongs ahead of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's odd that they're getting credit for their win against Utah. That's their best win. But a team like Washington, which beat Utah, is still remained the same, while Florida State had some struggles with Miami. I don't get how Florida State's three and Washington's four. So uh, well, they're not. Uh, Michigan is three and Florida State is four. So Florida State and then Washington's five. Oh, you're right. Okay, gotcha. So, gotcha, gotcha. Either gotcha. way, you may be wondering why Florida State is behind Washington. Yeah, that's what I meant. I apologies. Either way, I understand. I mean, there, there's, there's, Washington's going to get its chance to prove itself. Yeah. You know, yep, they are. Uh, and Florida State's best chance is going to be a road game in Gainesville. I believe that's in Gainesville. Yeah, and then playing Louisville 
And hey, you know, I mean, Florida is most likely not doing anything. They'll get their chance against Missouri. They'll get their chance against Florida State. But Louisville's a one-loss team with perhaps the strangest loss of the year to Pitt. Uh, North Carolina losing to to Virginia was also super strange. Oklahoma State losing by like 100 to UCF this weekend. Very strange after winning against Oklahoma. But uh, Louisville did beat Notre Dame. They're a one-loss team. They could roll into that thing. They can get past Kentucky with a one-loss, and that will look good for Florida State. But uh, still, Washington can beat Oregon State and Oregon and Washington State and the luster's off Washington State, but those would be three more impressive wins. Boy, bottom line is Washington controls its own destiny, even though right now they might be going, why in the hell are we on the outside looking in? All right, I'm going into the text inbox and the YouTube chat to see what we got for the second half of the program. This is Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and YouTube. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, Jackson, you're right. Tiny PP has done it again in the YouTube chat and I got a Venmo and $35. He's the man. He has got the question that I was scrolling. We had some good ones and I tip my cap to the audience. Uh, yeah, y'all doff my cap. Nice. To uh, Tiny PP, but the audience as well, a bunch of them. And I was thinking, I'm like, okay, what's going to be like kind of a, you know, something that we haven't gone through and some more of an experimental conversation. Yeah, and this like will it. allow everybody to kind of think through this. Everybody can play. Everybody can play. It's like a great orgy. <laughs> Your hashtag, because I don't know if anybody's ever done this in Sports Talk Radio. Ooh. Talk about Mount Rushmore. Oh, my God. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Boy, pioneers we are. Yeah, Lewis and Clark. Your Mount Rushmore of sporting events you have been in attendance for. And I want to hear yours, which also buys me time. All right. All right. Yeah, all right. I can do that. Yeah, all right. Um, Boy, first and foremost, a game I've mentioned probably too many times. I knew this was going to be in there. I mean, it has to be. It has to be. But it was truly one of like the coolest moments because I've been a Missouri basketball fan my entire life. Since joining the SEC, we had never beaten Kentucky. It was like, it was unthinkable, you know, the days of John Wall and Boogie Cousins and even back to Jody Meeks, if you're a real hoop head, you know about Jody Meeks with Kentucky. Missouri had never beaten them. So in 2018, uh, that was the Michael Porter Jr. year, even though he was not playing. His brother sure was. Jordan Barnett, the CBC product. Cassius Robertson defeated the 2018 uh, Kentucky Wildcats, and that was in Columbia. You're like leaving the stadium. MIZ chants are going crazy. That was really, really cool. That was like the resurgence after some dark days in the Kim Anderson era. So I really, really enjoyed that. So that's right up there. Yeah, that's probably, that's George Washington for me. Okay. Um... Man, I'm trying to think of like a baseball. Well, if we can't, if we can't get to to Lincoln, Ooh. how are we ever going to get to Roosevelt? That's a great question. NLCS 2011 Cardinals Brewers. Cardinals. I think it was either game two or three, but we were sitting right next to 
uh, where the Brewers players, significant others, and families game were three. Game the series three. opened and closed in Milwaukee. Got it. So it been game three. Me and my dad got to go. Great seats. They were, we were right near the players' families. And if you remember that 2011 Brewers thing was the the monsters. Yes. And they had the little stuffed animals. And watching them leave in sadness was was really that was some Schadenfreude from 11 or 13 year old me. Uh, so that was great. I okay. loved that. Game three, Brewers, Cardinals, NLCS is the Abraham Lincoln. Now Thomas Jefferson. Now Thomas Jefferson. Oh, man. This is going to be really bad. Uh-oh. I, like, I, I want to preface this. I haven't been to enough sports. Is this a events. Mystics game? No. I'd love to go to a Mystics game. Um, this is going to be like really bad, but you have to remember at the time I was the biggest Rams fan or right up there. Uh, and then they opened the season, their final season in St. Louis against Seattle a team who would they never beat on the road, but could beat at home. And they won by stuffing Marshawn Lynch at the, it was like fourth and one, and Aaron Donald and Chris Long, two of my favorite players ever, uh, stopped him at the line. And this was like prime Marshawn. And uh, that was awesome. The place went nuts for having, being half full. Right. Um, so that's, that's, that's three. <laughs> and then... And now the Teddy Roosevelt. This is going to be even worse. Uh, the first NBA game I ever got to go. No, I'm going to go to the most recent NBA game I ever went to. That was with my brother. I got to go to an NBA game with my brother last year in Indianapolis, the Pacers versus the Grizzlies, and John Morant threw down the nastiest dunk I've ever seen in person. Wow, there so, it is. There it is. It's Jackson's weak. I get it. It's weak, but that's no, Hey, you know what? Can you judge another person's Mount Rushmore? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. They literally do it all the time. Orlowski does it. If Orlowski does it, I do it. Orlowski, like, after the show, is just, like, grading local hacks and their Mount Rushmore's. <sighs> I got to tell you, my issue will be narrowing it down to four. And then what is the George Washington? So you're saying I was reaching? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> because I don't believe in judging another man's Mount Rushmore. I think it will always, there's some personal element too, because I could tell that was where it was for you with your NBA thing for the Teddy Roosevelt. And I also recognize that 23 years and Stan Kroenke have colored the memories. But as far as a charge of energy, I was not in the building for game six of the 2011 World Series, for the record. So, because to me, if you were there, then I don't really know how you can have anything if you're a St. Louis sports fan. Now, if you were at Lake Placid in 1980, uh, then perhaps you know you can you can point to something. I don't know if you were at the kick six for Auburn, Alabama, and you're an Auburn fan. You know, I don't know how that anything can top that. Right. Um, you know, take your pick of a Jordan moment. Uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth game six, 2013. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Patty, Patty Maroon. Yeah, it's a great call. That moment, I wasn't in the building for that. That would be up there. Because then again, I'm looking at it like the rush of positive energy is what I'm thinking of. And again, what your Mount Rushmore is, is your Mount Rushmore. Watch this. Paint me like one of your French girls. I don't. Wow. Wow. Mount Rushmore of non sequiturs. But I loved it. Thank you. January 23rd, the year 2000. The beautiful Edward Jones Trans World Dome. Yeah. Super beautiful. Warner. Touchdown. Reroll. Touchdown. That was 
the biggest rush of energy I have had as a sports fan at the game in my life. That's awesome. It also, I went to the game with my dad, just totally coincident. I was working in television in Little Rock, and I literally took the week off to be in St. Louis because we had just counted, kind of like Missouri with Florida and Arkansas, counted the Buccaneers game as a win. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do? I want to be in St. Louis for Super Bowl week. Is the Super Bowl in St. Louis? No, it's in Atlanta. But I want to be around this like super surprising thing, and I want to be at home. So I took a week off, and I would guess I probably had like two weeks at the most vacation from my TV job at that point in my career. Uh, Reminds me, I'll be off tomorrow and uh, Friday. So opening drive and BK and Ferrario and tomorrow and Friday for a balloon party. But uh, I was off. And and, and at the time, the score was super random. I don't know what the hell it was, but it was like a baseball score at the time. And it was a third down play. And I believe it was Mike Bush's call. I think he said he rainbow, Warner rainbows the sideline. And Prohl makes a ridiculous catch. Why the Dwight Clark catch is called the catch, and Prohl's, I feel like, flies under the radar is beyond mm-hmm. me. Maybe if the Rams would have won, like, seven Super Bowls or something, because I right. know that started the 49ers dynasty, kind of ended the Cowboys at that time. Maybe that's why it has more significance. I don't know. But I literally, like, had to grab the chair I was sitting. We were all standing, because we didn't have one of the knitters behind us. And and we were all standing, cheering, which is what people do at football games. Mm-hmm. And I had to grab the seat because I almost like like I fell over from the rush of energy. That's awesome. It was incredible. That's awesome. Because you're like, holy crap, this most likely, no disrespect to Sean King and the Buccaneers offense, which was, I mean, you know, a force. I didn't think they were going to be able to go back down the field. And that catch sent the St. Louis Rams, which had been a joke to the Super Bowl. And I was there with my father. I mean, that's uh, that's, as good as that's, that's up there. I, I, you can't not, if you were at when the Cardinals win a World Series, so I was there for Game 6 in, uh, in, in 2000, or Game 5, excuse me, in 2006 when they won, Wainwright striking out Inge, mm-hmm. and that was the first World Championship of 24 years. Uh, might not have been a great team, might not have been a great World Series if you're comparing World Series and Cardinal great teams, but it meant a hell of a lot at the time. And uh, 2011, Game 7, I was there with my wife and my mom and dad. And Incredible. I'm just like, no, there's no there's no way after what happened in Game 6 that I was going to sell my tickets. Yep. Um, and I'm sure I could have gotten thousands of dollars for those tickets. It didn't matter because you can't put a dollar value on that. And then I think... The mount, the other one that is, is Missouri Kansas, two thousand seven at Arrowhead. Yeah, gotta be up there. You know, I mean, I was at Game Six, the Blues and Bruins, right behind Bruins netminder Patrick Waugh. There you go. Yeah, it was no, it was Waugh spelled Roy spelled Rask actually. Oh well, but, misprint right. Uh, like we all, I think anybody who went to that game was a Blues fan. Is like we are seeing the Stanley Cup. I had heard tell from not just like a guy on Twitter, but people who actually played for the Blues that there was talk. And I don't know how serious the talk was that as opposed to the Stanley Cup tradition of handing the cup to the longest tenured veteran. And as it turned out later that week in Boston, it was Jay Bomeister. But there was talk of handing the cup from Petrangelo to Bobby Plager. Mm. And I'm like, I 
I'm just going to be like an emotional mess if I see that. Right. And I also wanted to see the people, I, and I really mean this, this sounds like, like a like-bake thing, but I truly feel this way. It's kind of the way I feel about like the nice Missouri fans, because I feel the same way about Missouri fans, about the people who've been going to Blues games and sitting in the upper bowl through years or decades of disappointment um, and see them finally get their moment. And also think about the parents or grandparents who would have loved to have been there. So I was thinking, I got to be there for that. But of course, it just ended and it was a blah game. O'Reilly had a delay a game early. Bruins got a power play and it just it just never, the, the energy in the building just never lived up to what you would have thought considering what was going on. But hey, that freed the boys up. And I remember Maroon and a couple other guys said, yeah, we, we flew to Boston. We're like, holy crap, we're going to win the cup. We just know we're going to win the cup. They're going to have to deal with all the crap we just dealt with in St. Louis. Right. We're going to win the cup. So... Therefore, Jackson, I go Prol catch, Game 7, 2011, Game 6, 2006, and uh, Missouri, Kansas playing for the right to be number one in the country at Arrowhead Stadium in 2007. Honorable mention, Edmonds walk-off home run, 2004. Uh, Rollins home run off of Clemens the next night. Ridiculous. Yeah. I was in the building through eight innings for the Cardinals and the Brad Lidge game, but I was at my hotel room when Pools hit the home run about two blocks from Minute Maid Park because I was so irritated by Lance Berkman's wiffle ball stadium home run that was going to send the Astros to the World Series that I left. So I was not in the building for Pools' home run, but I was screaming like an absolute nitwit when he did hit it in my hotel room in Houston. Uh, but yeah, there's my Mount Rushmore. I feel good about that Mount Rushmore. I do. I feel like that's a good Mount Rushmore. That's an outstanding Mount Rushmore. Now, Jeremy Rutherford, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Has sent me his Mount Rushmore. Wow. How about this? We break, and then I can't wait to hear it. There we go. Yeah, no, it's TSL. called getting better at teasing. TSL. It's TSL season on yeah. Balloon Party. This is Balloon Party, uh, driven by Munganass Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You know, Jackson, you're right. Tiny PP is a gentleman. And Tiny PP is declining the $35 wow. Venmo transaction. Wow. He says, you know what, Tim? Have a happy anniversary. And so Tiny PP is not only gifting me, but also my betrothed as we celebrate 12 years of loving. 15 years in total, Jackson. Hey, congratulations. Oh, my God. Congratulations. For real. So Tiny PP says that's his anniversary gift to me and my wife. That's lovely. To not, and it was a wonderful question because we have gotten a billion, I think it is a billion, yep. people with their Mount Rushmores. And we've got some good ones. I really like this one. Uh, this gentleman, I believe, because there's a picture of him dressed up as Andy Reid in his previous text, uh, was at the Go Crazy Folks Go Crazy. So if you were at that, that's got to be up there. I mean, holy crap. In uh, 85, game five with the Wizard. Watch this. On a home run by the Wizard. Number two, Jim Edmonds' game-winning home run in the World Series. I believe that was just a misspeaking of the 2004 game six NLCS. Uh, that was, I'm, I, those of you who are there, I would imagine you know what I'm talking about when I say this. I had been in that ballpark at that point, who knows how many times, hundreds of times, and I never felt it shake. And when Edmonds hit that home run, I felt the ballpark shake. It shook like it was an earthquake. And then 24 hours later, Roland hits the home run off Clemens, and it shakes again. It's unbelievable. You know, that Bush Stadium, uh, too. Uh, number three, how about this one? 
This gentleman was at 1988 Notre Dame-Miami, 31 versus 30. That was uh, 31-30, and that was known as the Catholics versus Convicts game. The uh, T-shirt. You're not familiar. You look at me like I said something that's going to get me canceled. No, no. Which is that's fine. What they really, no, no. I'm that's looking what, at property in Jupiter. So if this was the end, but it was. That's what they called it? Yeah. Wow, you don't know. There was a 30 for 30 on it. Uh-uh. Never heard of this. You should watch the 30. You will like it. Okay. All right. Yes. Could they do a Catholics versus convicts game in 2023? No. But that was what, and these t-shirts were sold by a Notre Dame student who wound up like killing it as a financial guy in Chicago and just like an entrepreneur in South Bend who was a student and they were everywhere. Catholics versus convicts. 1988, Jimmy Johnson, Miami Hurricanes. Yes, that was the game. And you know what happened later on that night? I think both of these were on NBC, by the way. 1988? October 1988. What a day in sports. <laughs> um, October would be... I'll give you World Series. I was going to say, but that would have been the year after Cardinals Twins. Nice, nice. Is that, is that I think you're going to get it. I think the Dodgers. Nice. Um, nice. Clark, right? Oh, God, we were almost there. I can't hold your hand. Oh, Gibson. Yes. Gibson. Okay, yes. All right. I got there. In a year of the improbable, the impossible has happened. Vin Scully. I don't believe what I just saw. Jack Buck, radio call. Right, right. And that was incredible. And I remember that evening, I was at my good friend, Dr. Jack Nearman's home, and we were running away from some scufflaws on the South Side who were chasing us and wanting to scrap. He had a medical degree in 88? Did. Well, it's St. Gabriel's. Right. And uh, we had run into his parents' house because I was about to get my ass beat. Shocking, I know. Were you wearing that Thriller jacket? <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> Still wearing it five years after the album. But I loved it. <laughs> and uh, and I'm lucky that we were about to get our asses kicked because it allowed us to watch that moment live on television. So earlier in the day, Notre Dame beat Miami in the Catholics versus Convicts game. And uh, and then you had the uh, the Kirk Gibson home run. So that is a hell of a Mount Rushmore. And that was fourth on the Mount Rushmore. Is the Diocesan Championship, eighth grade, 82. And I can't speak to that one. Can't speak to it. Uh, I assume it's 11 o'clock. Oh, it's 10.59. Not bad. I got JR's. Uh, oh, yeah. What's Jeremy Rutherford's Mount Rushmore? Yeah. Uh, the Blue Stanley Cup game, seven over Boston. That would stand to reason. Pat Maroon goal against the Stars. Stand to reason. I agree with this Mount Rushmore. He was there when the Rams won the Super Bowl over the Titans. Okay, that's a very nice play. And then this one, kind of a sneaker play, Illini Hoops Elite Eight over Arizona. JR was there for that? That's, that's what I read in the prompter. Man, he just dunked on my Mount Rushmore. I mean, that's a great Mount Rushmore. Yeah, he's a great guy. He is a great guy. But, I mean, this show's about me. Right. Like, nobody dunks on me. I dumped out. We're off the air. Okay, good, good, yeah, good, yeah. good. Yeah, don't let that. Don't ever let him through again. Yeah. Let's cancel the segment on Monday. Done. You hate hockey anyway, right? Well. Time to go. BK and Ferrario. Coming up next, this has been Balloon Party, driven by Mungin S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and Tube. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.